A quick reminder, the hosts of this show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and nothing said on the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Hello and welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. And welcome to episode number 50. This is Mike Frost, and on the podcast today, we'll be discussing capital gains tax, stepped-up basis, and how all that relates to your estate tax on inheritances. All right, so joining me on the podcast today is Matt, our senior VP, and our podcast producer, Natalie. You guys ready to talk about taxes and step-up and capital gains and all this fun stuff? I've been waiting for this all week. Yeah, always looking forward to figuring out how we can pay as little taxes as possible. So good conversation. Amen to that. Okay, first of all, let's start off with an, uh, let's explain what we're talking about first. All right, Matt, capital gains. What in the world is a capital gain? Yeah, so a capital gain is when you, I'm going to keep it as basic as possible. So it's it's a gain or a profit that you realize from the sale of an asset. So let's say you buy an asset and it appreciates in value and you sell it for more than what you bought it for at a later date. That is a capital gain. Now there's two different types of capital gains. You can have long-term capital gains and you can have short-term capital gains, right? So long-term capital gains are assets that you owned. And an asset, I mean, it can be real estate, it could be a stock, it could be precious metals, it could be a lot of different things, but it's an asset that you've owned for longer than 365 days or 12 months, right? It's not a calendar year. It's from the date when you purchased it. Have you owned it for longer than 12 months? If so, and you sell it after that, that gain is going to be taxed at your long-term capital gains rates. A short-term gain is the opposite. Just if it's an asset that you've owned and sold um, within one year of purchasing it, right? So you've owned it in total less than one year. So you're going to pay your short-term capital gains rates on that. Okay, Matt, let's give an example. So you buy a share of Walmart stock January 1, and you sell it in December. You've held it for less than a year. That would be short term. Right. If you made a profit on it, you would owe short term capital gains tax. And so what is there a difference in the rate I'd pay? Yeah, so short term is going to just be your highest marginal tax bracket. It's just going to be extra income that you dump on top of the rest of your regular income. So whatever your ordinary income tax rate is, that's what you're going to pay on your short-term capital gains. So if I'm in the 24% bracket and I buy it in January, sell it in December, and it's short-term capital gains, I'm going to pay my 24% bracket price on whatever the gains are. Exactly. Okay. All right. So we got capital gains short-term. That's the least favorable thing we want to do. Now, what's a long-term then? You said now, let's make sure. It's a year or less is short term. Right. It has to be more than a year to be long term. Yes. So if it's 365 days, that's short term. Right. You want to hold it longer than after the 365 days have passed. All right. We're glad you did. All right. Short term capital gains tax. I buy it in January and I sell it in February of the next year. I've held it 13 months. I sell it. I make a profit. What's the tax on it? Yeah, so long-term capital gains, like you said, uh, holding over a year, it, it de- it's going to somewhat depend on 
your situation and how you file. For most people, vast majority of people out there, it's going to be 15% currently. That's based on current tax tax laws. Now, depending on how you file, if you're married filing joint, single, head of household, um, married filing separate, and depending on what your income level is, then you could be bumped up into a 20% long-term capital gains rate. So for example, I know a lot of people out there are married and they file joint, right? That if you make over, let's just ballpark, roughly half a million dollars or more in a given year, and you have long-term capital gains, then it's going to be taxed at 20% instead of the 15. Um, so that's for married filing joint. Um, those numbers adjust slightly if you're single or head of household, but they're all within the four hundred fifty dollars to $500,000 range. And Matt, there's only three tax brackets for long-term capital gains tax, correct? Yes. There's zero. Yes. There's 15%. And there's 20%. Right. So in the example we used earlier on the short term, if I was in a 24% bracket, then that's paying more than the highest long-term bracket at 20%. Right. So therein lies the reason most people should consider holding something long-term to get the long-term capital gains tax bracket, correct? Right. Yes. I mean, ultimately, it's situational because you never want to make a poor investment decision to, to avoid paying taxes, right? I mean, you would never want to hold something that you expect to go down in value substantially a little bit longer. So you pay slightly less taxes on you will kind of do the math and figure out. So it all always goes back to what's your investment objectives. Um, but yeah, they, they from a tax, our tax laws, they incentivize you to hold hold on to something for a longer period of time versus you know buying and selling uh, on, in the short term. Okay, so we've got capital gains. If you have a realized gain, meaning you bought something and sold something, and you have a gain, you made money on it. If you hold it for a year or less, you're going to pay short term, the higher rate, a year longer, most likely it's a lower rate. Okay, we got that. Step up. Step up. Matt, what is this thing called step up? I, I got to step up into my house. Is that what we're talking about? No. So st a step up is um, when you inherit an, an asset, all right? So again, going to use real estate and stock because those are the two most commonly understood and probably most commonly inherited assets is, you know, your parents' home, your grandparents' home, or maybe some stock that they own in some way or the other. And so a step up means... You know, let's say, for example, your your parents bought Walmart stock for $10 per share back in the 70s. And it's appreciated, you know, it's trading for whatever, 140 something today. And, you know, there's, so there's a lot of gains. I mean, just a significant amount of gains in the, in the, those holdings. And they held on to that Walmart stock. They, they passed it on to you. Well, when you inherit that, you don't owe taxes on the gains when you inherit it. So that's great. Um, but what's even better is when you inherit it, you get the step up, meaning your cost basis or the, the values used to calculate your gains and the future taxes that you'll owe are based on the value of those shares, the date in which you inherit them. So instead of the original purchase date, so this gets a little confusing, but your parents purchase for $10, it goes up and appreciates to 140 you inherit it on the, the, you know, your parents pass and it's trading for 140 on the end of close that day. Your cost basis, you're only going to pay taxes on the amount that it grows above and beyond $140 per share and only when, if and when you sell those shares. Now, hang on, Matt. Hang on. This sounds too good to be true. 
So grandma and grandpa gave me this stock. I inherited the stock when they passed away. It's worth $140. They only paid 10. There's $130 per share of growth. And you're saying I don't have to pay any tax on this? Yes, absolutely. So yeah, you get the step up. So you pay, if you sold it, here's another way to look. If you sold it immediately the next morning and it was still trading for $140 a share, that would be tax-free money to you. I mean, you wouldn't owe any taxes on that. And where that comes into play is like family farms. Right. It could be family businesses, homes, all this stuff where somebody bought it at a low price is now at a high price. And if you want to avoid the tax, you need to inherit it and get the step up. Exactly. And another thing to keep in mind is let's say you inherit it on January 10th and you hold on to it, right? You've got $500,000 worth of Walmart stock and the, the, the stock doubles in six months. So you've only personally owned it for six months, but now it's worth twice as much as it was when you inherited it. Well, you know, we just talked about capital gains. Since that was inherited, you would only owe long-term capital gains on the realized gains when you did sell it. So it goes up in value in a really big way. And you're sitting there like, well, I want to sell it, but I don't want to pay short-term. Since it was inherited, you could sell it and it's always going to be taxed at the long-term capital gains rates. Fantastic. Okay, so now we've got capital gains. We understand the step up. It happens when you inherit something. You get it at what its current value is, is your basis. Okay, we're going to talk about now how all that plays into this federal estate tax. So a federal estate tax, what is that? Who gets that money? Who, who has to pay that? People with quite a bit of money, <laughs> wealthier people. So in 2020, if you have an estate worth more than $11.58 million individually or a little over $23 million collectively with like your spouse um, or as a couple, then that that amount above and beyond that is taxed at 40%, right? So let's say you- Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. So somebody comes in, we have a client comes in and they're worth, make a number, $30 million. And you're saying between the two of them, it's more than the 23 million. So they've got, let's, for round numbers, let's say they got $7 million above the federal estate tax limit and they pass away. Their heirs owe 40% tax on that $7 million? Yeah. Yeah. Woohoo! Okay. So, so, okay. So now we know where capital gains come into play. We got step up. So the step up, even if it stepped up, if it's above that amount, they still got to pay the 40% tax. Right? Wow. Well, what's getting ready to change, Matt, about the estate tax limit? Yeah. Well, everything, if it's up to, <laughs> it's up to Uncle Joe. The... So the proposed amounts are between three to five million as as an individual or single, or and between six to ten million as a couple. So going down from over eleven million, twenty three million collectively to three to five, six to ten. So easily cut in half, if not more than cut in half. And so you know this is basically a tax that you you pay after death. I mean it's like a, it's the death tax, right? I mean you literally just get taxed because you die. Well, and, and Matt, you know, we have lots of clients that it, it together, they may be worth, you know, the $6 million, someone in that neighborhood. Right. Uh, but separately, that'd be under the $3 million. But if one of them passes away, then the other one has all of it. And so that could put them over the federal estate tax limit that's proposed, not done yet, but proposed, and could cause them to pay a 40% 
tax. Yeah, there's definitely some planning that you need to do here. You know, there's some planning opportunities from our perspective of looking at just estate planning. And we don't offer estate planning in-house, but working with your attorney, we have attorneys that we work with. Um, life insurance planning, this is a big opportunity for someone who has this concern in the future. We've done this with some some of our uh, wealthier clients, you know, planning with life insurance. How can we structure life insurance today so that, that it's there for us in the future if and when this this estate tax is triggered? Well, man, I got some news for you and for our listeners here. Uh, from the Tax Foundation, combining the estate tax, the new higher capital gains rate that's being proposed, and a repeal of the step-up basis. Now, we talked about capital gains, yeah. right? Now, they're, they're, the proposal is to raise that number up the same thing as your highest tax bracket. So basically your short long term becomes just like your short term as far as taxes are concerned. And and then they're going to do away with the step up where you inherit it, like you're talking about that $140 stock. I'm going to have to go back and pay taxes on that $130 of gain. Yeah, this is and in my me and you've talked about this behind the scenes, Mike. <laughs> in my opinion, the one of the biggest, if not the biggest, impacts from the proposed tax the new proposed tax laws is this eliminating the step up in basis. If that got passed and if it was just across the board with few or no limitations on who it, who it applied to, that's, that's just devastating to, and there's no other way to put it because there's so many people out there that a lot of people, they don't even have a lot of assets that inherit something, right? Their parents leave them a farm, their parents leave. And this is now this, this massive tax bill that they get slammed with, that they're forced to liquidate assets just to pay the taxes. You know, there's time limits on this. It's not like you can put the farm up for sale for the next 10 years and wait for it to sell the price you want. I mean, you there's just, it, that is going to wreak havoc on a lot of people in a bad way. And so my, you know, are, are we going to be able to avoid all of these proposals? I have no idea. But this is one of the ones that I think I really hope and pray is completely taken out of there because that step up affects a lot of people. Well, you're absolutely right, Matt. You take the capital gains tax and they raise it up. You do away with the step up and we got a 40% estate tax. The tax foundation said some filers could pay as much as, hold on, 61% federal estate tax. Can you imagine that, Matt? Man, you inherit a million dollars and you owe six hundred and ten thousand of it to the government. Yeah, it's in, it's insane. Your parents or whomever you inherited from worked all their life to get it, and now you got to give more than half of it away. If you if you you're gonna get me fired up, Mike. If you <laughs> sit there, I encourage everyone to sit down and track every dollar that comes into their life, and and just look at how many times it's taxed, and then you throw a couple of these extra ones on there, like. Well, you know, this death estate tax, death tax, I get taxed when I die. I get taxed. You look at how many times that a single dollar is taxed from earning it to spending it to saving it to, uh, you know, it appreciating in value to you still having it and you dying. I mean, it's taxed time and time and time again. And I encourage everybody to to sit down and educate yourself on that and then put, you know, and, and vote accordingly and put pressure <laughs> on people who represent us because it's a big deal. All right. This is not a political podcast, Matt, well, but uh, I'm, I'm tracking right along with you. I fully get what you're saying. Okay. So, so we have this thing. It's not done. Okay. Don't everybody run out and do anything. It's not done. It's proposed. But if it, it all gets passed, it could mean up to 61% tax. That's crazy. So what can people do, Matt? 
Yeah. I mean, what can some of our listeners do? What can they be proactive about? These changes most likely won't take effect until 2022. We're sitting here in May of 2021, so we've got at least six months to do something. What will we suggest for our listeners? The the best suggestion now and where we're at and what we currently know is just to educate yourself and plan, right? Don't go out and make any knee-jerk reactions um, or decisions based on some hypothetical situations that are out there, right? Set down with an advisor, set down with your tax, tax person, your estate attorney, have conversations, spend a little bit of money having those conversations if you have to, right? CPAs, attorneys, financial advisors aren't free, but if it costs you a few hundred dollars to start planning and preparing, it's going to, I promise you, it's going to be money well spent. So just have the conversations now so that if, and when these things do come to fruition, you're not, you're not just getting the ball rolling because it's, it's likely going to be too late. But if you kind of have a plan in place that's ready to implement, um, if you don't need to want to start implementing it immediately, then then you're ready to go. And as things come out and, and legislation gets passed and deadlines and dates are known, then you can just implement it. And it's, it's pretty easy and straightforward from there. A couple of those specific things Matt's talking about is plan, plan, plan. That's what he's saying. A couple of things to think about in that planning process. If you have capital losses, if you have some assets that have lost money, and you sell those, now you have a realized loss that you can offset a realized gain against. So again, work with your CPA, your tax professional to look at those. That's one way to minimize the capital gains tax. Uh, other thing is, is if you have a huge appreciated asset, whether it be property, whether it be a Walmart stock, whatever it is, and if we think that these capital gains taxes are going to go up next year. 2021 would be the time, maybe, for you to think about liquidating that asset. But again, you got to talk to a tax professional, okay? Because you wouldn't want to wake up January 1 of 2022 and say, man, if I, I sold it today, I'm going to pay a 40% tax. If I sold it yesterday, it was 32% tax. So you need to have those discussions, like Matt said, now. Don't wait. If you do have an estate, that's worth over $3 million right now. Know your borderline hitting that estate tax with the new changes. We know they're going to change in 2026. It's already the law. We just think they're going to happen before then. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, and let me give real quick, since since we have some time, whether we do or not, we'll make it. The, an example is, let's say you've, you're worth three, four, five, six, seven million dollars, right? And so you're, you're currently below the threshold, but you're in that range of, if they really bring it down, you could easily be above it. Have a life insurance conversation with somebody because if you could take a fraction, you know, one, two percent of your estate and and purchase a paid up single premium, 10 pay, something like that, permanent life insurance policy to take care of that future estate tax bill or at least the majority of it. Right. You could you could potentially save yourself literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in the future by just allocating some of it today and taking care of that instead of waiting in the waiting too far into the future. And so that's just one of those conversations. It doesn't make sense for, for really a majority of people because the majority of people won't have assets above that. But if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're like, hey, we've got a lot of land, you know, our family owns a lot of land or our family has a lot of assets, then have those conversations. Give us a call. Talk to whoever you work with and, and, and work with an expert on that because it could be significant for future generations in your family. 
Another less complicated one than that, Matt, would be if you've got a lot of IRA money, 401k money, now may be a great time to do some Roth conversions if it looks like your tax bracket are going to be higher in the near future. So you need to have those conversations. We're not telling you to go out and do anything. Please understand that. But if you're thinking about it, like, man, that could affect me, you need to see a, a fiduciary advisor like Mach 1 here or see a tax professional or an estate planning attorney. But don't wait till January to do that. Now's the time to do it. Because if these changes actually get passed, are you prepared for their impact? And now is the time for you to start making those moves. Don't wait. Any last thoughts there, Matt? Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay, Natalie, we've talked all about this fun stuff about taxes and estate taxes and capital gains. All right. Anybody want some questions? Want to answer? If somebody wants to ask Mach 1 a question, how do they ask us a question, Natalie? It's a great question, Mike. If you email podcast at Mach1FG, M-A-C-H, numeric1FG.com, you can ask us any and all questions that are on your mind. If you have um, a guest speaker you'd like for us to maybe host on the show, we are open to those suggestions as well. Or you can go to our website, Mach1FG.com, and there is a podcast tab, and you can submit a question there. Thank you, Natalie, and thank you for producing this show. Again, she takes care of all the behind-the-scenes stuff and makes us look good on this podcast. All right, we'd like to end with a thought of the day. This is from Winston Churchill. The only thing you cannot recycle is wasted time. The only thing you cannot recycle is wasted time. Well, that's it for today. We appreciate you listening to the podcast, and we look forward to you joining us next time on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, Inc. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular skill level or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit www.mach-1financial.com disclosures.